Hello, and welcome back to the Sagis podcast, Making Adjustments, where we take a thoughtful dive into an element of culture or a current event that could benefit from a few healthy adjustments. If you're new here, Sagis is a sexual assault counseling and information service, and between us and our satellite office, Kesa, we serve nine counties in southeastern Illinois. It's our vision to mitigate and reduce sexual violence, advocate for social justice in all of our communities, and provide client-centered services to all survivors of sexual violence while working to address systems of oppression. Today, we have a very special guest with us. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, so I'm Kai Easton, and I'm a senior at the University of Illinois, and I got the privilege to work or to internship here at SACUS this semester. Nice. Um, so what is your program at U of I? I'm just curious. My program is social work, so the end goal would be to be a school social worker. Nice. Do you want to work around here? I think so. I want to work with little kids. So wherever there's an elementary school, social work available. Yeah. Well, definitely interning with SACUS is going to open you up more to the community and the needs here if you're wanting to work here. So that's great. Yeah. Um, Today, we're going to talk a little bit about um, body image and body dysmorphia, even get into a little bit of Um, maybe some disorderly eating and how all of those affect sexual assault, how sexual assault affects those things and can cause those things. Um, But I think first we should talk about just body image in general. You know, what is it? Yeah. I feel like for me, it's kind of like your personal thoughts and feelings about your body. And I feel like you get lots of outside thoughts and feelings whenever you watch social media or when you watch a TV show or a movie. But I think it's just what you continually tell yourself or what you think your body looks like. Yeah. I think it's interesting that you brought in um, the outside influencers because I feel like our body image throughout our life can change so much. I know that like people say like I'm working on my body image or I'm working on like how I love myself or how I see myself. Mm -hmm. And I think some of the things like personally that I do for those things are to shut off like the external voices and just focus on what I think like Mm -hmm. to not look at what social media is saying or maybe like people around me are saying yeah because that can definitely play into how we view ourselves and our bodies um but the National Eating Disorders Association like the actual definition they give is how you see yourself when you look in the mirror or picture yourself in your mind um and Wikipedia which is not the most reliable source but you know sometimes they have some cool info on there It says that it's a person's thoughts, feelings, and perception of the aesthetics or sexual attractiveness of their own body, which I just thought that that was kind of an interesting definition um, because it's kind of specific to what parts of your body you're thinking about. Mm -hmm. And when we think of our bodies, I think sometimes like we fixate on one thing, like our arms or our bellies Mm -hmm. or our weird feet. Um, It's just like we don't think about like... The positive things we're just thinking about the negative things um and that in combination with like you said the external voices mm-hmm. and other things definitely can yeah. lead to body dysmorphia yes and so let's talk a little bit about how that's different from body image i feel like body dysmorphia is more of a mental health condition and not everyone has it but i feel like if you do have it it's an everyday thing when you look in the mirror right yeah it's like It's almost like an OCD tendency in which, like, you're obsessively, like, pointing out your flaws, thinking about your flaws, trying to hide your flaws. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say that, like, when I was in junior high and high school, I had 
body dysmorphia like I know that looking back but at the time it was undiagnosed and I just Mm -hmm. thought that it was like how it was you know (laughs) I thought that that's what everyone was thinking Mm -hmm. but like I had this internal voice that thought that everyone was looking at my body all the time and thinking Mm -hmm. all these horrible things about it just like I was and about specific areas that I was like obsessing over yeah I feel like that either gets worse or gets better when you get into a relationship because then it's another person that's giving their own opinions and their perspective right yeah and I think that like like you said in a relationship it can be hard and it can be positive or negative depending on how that person is um, like feeding or fueling how we feel about our bodies Um, and I've even had because you said like it's a mental health condition Mm -hmm. so sometimes in that like our mind can trick us into like believing things that aren't true about our bodies and I guess where I've struggled is like even like if your mom like that's a relationship like tells you like oh you don't look like that Mm -hmm. you look like this to try and help like in my mind I'm like she's lying (laughs) she's not telling the truth at all she's just saying that Mm -hmm. and I think we do the same thing sometimes in relationships if we're like not ready to hear that yet yeah Um, Or you think they're just telling you that to tell you that and that it's not actually true. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really um, difficult to come out of those things. And honestly, they can um, manifest even more and turn into things like disorderly eating um, to try and control that. But it's important to address before we get into like specifics of eating disorders, um, how this stuff has anything to do with sexual violence, sexual assault and what we do here. Mm at SACUS um and I think one of the big common threads between both things um is trauma yes and so let's just talk a bit about trauma and define it so that going forward our audience knows what we're talking about yeah I feel like trauma is something that happens to your body and that it's like it may happen too much or too fast or it can just be out of nowhere that something happens and it's overwhelming in the moment Yeah. I did a little bit of research just to see like what the word means and where it comes from. And it's a 17th century Greek word. And the literal translation of it is wound. But how we've like studied it and adapted it to our modern language, it means more than the wound. It's like Mm -hmm. living from the wound. It's living from the pain of what happened. Um, And I found a quote that I really liked by a therapist and an author. Um, I think it's pronounced Rizma Minikim, but I'm sorry if I butchered that. He says, trauma is a wordless story our body tells itself about what is safe and what is a threat. And so I think that that makes sense, like going along with body dysmorphia, like it's a story we tell ourselves, Mm -hmm. even if it's like true or not and we it's about what we perceive as safe and what we perceive as not safe based on like a wound or pain something Mm -hmm. that's happened to us um and we know that sexual assault survivors obviously had something happen to them and they experience really high levels of trauma and when we look at what happens after sexual assault people are trying to cope with that trauma Mm -hmm. so that they can go back to living a normal life or Um, just heal and move forward. Um, But sometimes coping with trauma looks different. So coping mechanisms, like I said, they're ways that we continue living on while we're dealing with this pain. Um, But they can be destructive or they can be productive and healing. 
So maybe let's talk about some of the coping mechanisms um, that like people use for sexual assault. We'll start with the positives first. What do you think are some positive ones that we've seen? I feel like art is a big one and meditation and hiking in nature. I feel like I love being in nature, just being outside because it just is a breath of fresh air when you walk outside Mm -hmm. and then spending time with loved ones journaling I also really like to journal because it kind of gets the thoughts that are in my mind on paper so it kind of just lets me restart yeah yeah and like I want to point out too that these are helpful coping mechanisms for anyone who's experienced any sort of trauma not just sexual assault um because they're lots of forms of trauma that every person can experience and yeah those are definitely some helpful ones and they're ones that we've utilized here at SACUS with our individual clients and in past groups Um, and then what are maybe some examples of some more harmful or destructive coping mechanisms yeah I feel like substance abuse is a big one or self-harm self-esteem issues and then disorderly eating and that's where we're talking about today yep Disorderly eating and eating disorders, um, I feel like the language there is interesting, Mm -hmm. but definitely just like healing is a spectrum um, and violence happens on a spectrum. I think that like eating disorders and self-harm happens on a spectrum Mm -hmm. also. Um, And I feel like there's a lot of people who experience like things that they do like eating scheduling and eating like mechanisms that are unhealthy but they may not be like a classified eating disorder Mm -hmm. and so I feel like that's where like disorderly eating comes in and those things too I think can play into like a coping mechanism that a sexual assault survivor may use so that's why I wanted to just like define those things kind of separate them and talk about how they both will play into what we're talking about yeah Um, But I looked up some statistics on this, on specifically eating disorders and sexual violence and how they're connected. Um, There's not a lot of information out there, which is surprising and not surprising. Mm -hmm. Um, And why it's not surprising is because when it comes to sexual assault and like specific things, like pairing it with specific things, there's not a lot of research being done because research is time and money Mm -hmm. that people don't have. Yeah. Um, but a study that I found (laughs) from 1987, which is 36 years ago, it's so old, guys. So even the studies we do have information is out of date. Um, it found though that features common to both sexual assault, it says syndrome in their little, um, thesis statement and anorexia nervosa are feelings of guilt and inadequacy, loss of control and distortion of body image. And the reason that I included that, even though it's very outdated, is because I feel like it's still true. Yeah. Sexual assault. Okay. When they say syndrome, I think they're just meaning, like, what happens after sexual assault, Mm -hmm. like, the effects of it. So, effects of sexual assault and anorexia nervosa, they both kind of have the same feelings associated with them. They have the same um, tendencies associated with them. And I feel like it's interesting because it's almost like it's a cycle where one can play into the next and yeah. then that can play into more of the next thing. Um, and we see that not only with eating disorders, but with a lot of other things um, that have to do with sexual assault and its effects like homelessness and mm-hmm. substance abuse. Um, but I wanted to throw that in there just so that we have a, a place to start 
A more recent study I found was from 2020, so just three years ago, and they surveyed male Latinx college students specifically, which is really interesting because in research, we don't see a lot of sexual assault studies done on males because Mm -hmm. the majority of survivors of sexual violence are female, and we also don't see a lot um, that are done on like a specific age group and a specific um, population like the Latinx community, Mm -hmm. Um, actually especially the Latinx community. There's not a lot um, of studies done on people of color and especially like breaking down what like persons of color you're talking about it's kind of unheard of so I was really interested to find this study so their findings were that over a third of those included in the survey reported that they had experienced sexual assault and those who didn't experience sexual assault didn't have any issues really with emotional eating but those who did experience sexual assault also reported issues with body image, depression, and emotional eating. Um, So there was a strong correlation between being sexually assaulted and having those issues. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are just some statistics. But I think that even without the statistics, we could see from the work that we do and like lived experiences of people we know um, that they definitely have an effect on one another. Um, So I guess let's just ask the question, which is why are eating disorders... Um, or like body image and dysmorphia and effect of sexual violence. I feel like control is really big. They're lacking that control and then their attempt to try and regain the control back is what they're trying to do after going through a traumatic time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard because we were talking a little bit about this earlier, but it's like with an eating disorder or with disorderly eating, you do it to regain control and like Mm -hmm. you feel like you're in control of what you're eating. But actually, mentally, you're out of control Mm -hmm. um, in a way. And so it is just coping. It's not true healing. Yes. And actually, it's something that, like, requires further healing Mm -hmm. um, because the coping mechanism that you've developed um, is just destructive and not healing for you. Um, Something that I've talked about with other people who work in this field are... Um, like trauma responses and tactics that sexual violence survivors use to keep people away. I think when we think about eating disorders, we just think about like people who are like tiny, tiny, skinny Mm -hmm. and don't eat or throw up. Yeah. And we don't think about people who um, like binge eat all the time, Mm -hmm. who are like consuming all the time and overeating a lot um, and maybe become obese or struggle with another health issue um, due to like a traumatic dramatic weight gain mm-hmm. um but that is absolutely one of the um, trauma responses that survivors can use to keep people away from them they don't want their body to appear um, like attractive at all because mm-hmm. they blame like their body or they blame themselves um for being assaulted yeah um And they're thinking, if my body wasn't attractive, then no one's going to try to assault me. Mm -hmm. Which we know that that's not true. But sometimes the mind and the body tells itself things to try and keep us safe again. Like that's just a response of trauma. Um, So changing appearance drastically to make themselves look like what they would consider unattractive or unappealing can also be a reason. Um, Also, people, like when they 
do this they're abusing their body mm-hmm. in a way um and i think that it could be because they're blaming their body for what happened yeah um or they just feel a lot of shame mm-hmm. and so that shame is playing into their eating habits um when we think about things like emotional eating um also like you mentioned eating disorders are just mental health conditions yeah even though they're manifesting physically it's not something where we can just be like oh well you're skinny now so you have to eat more or Mm -hmm. you're weighing too much so now you have to eat less yeah it's not something that we can heal with just a physical thing it has to be mental healing yeah i hate when people are like oh you need to eat a cheeseburger or you need to eat just because you're thinner and i'm like it could be a way bigger issue than what is just seen on the outside right yeah, and, like, even um, things like that, I feel like, add to trauma. Mm-hmm. And they can almost fuel the fire of yeah. someone who has some emotional or disorderly eating tendencies. Yeah. So let's keep going and talking about um, how we move forward from these unhealthy coping strategies um, and how we move toward healing. I feel like there's a lot of strategies and things a person can do, but it's a process and you have to do it when you're ready to do it. And it also takes time and you have to kind of figure out what approach you want to take and what approach fits better for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So SACUS offers things like counseling. Obviously, we do individual counseling and sometimes family and group counseling. Um, SACUS doesn't do this, but psychiatrists and doctors can prescribe medication when Mm -hmm. it's needed for people who are struggling with mental health issues, um, such as anxiety or depression, um, or even some things that are causing eating disorders. Um, For really extreme cases, you know, there are inpatient services um, where people can stay in facilities to get the help that they need. Um, And then... I think that that work is kind of bigger things, but those can all be done in conjunction with some smaller everyday work that's going to help a survivor get through. So do you want to talk about some of those? Yeah, I feel like body acceptance can start small and you can find little things about you that you like. So that could be like your smile, your hair, your eyes, your belly button, nails, birthmark. I feel like just finding one thing that you like or enjoy about your body can start that healing process. Right, yeah. Trying to focus on the positives um, or even just one small positive, um, Mm -hmm. even when it's really, really difficult. And sometimes if we're like in a season of really not liking our bodies, um, we might need like someone else's help to to find something that we like about ourselves. Yeah. Okay. What else? I feel like listing the things your body can do in the moment instead of focusing on things that you can't do. Because I know for me, I used to be really big in sports in high school, but now that I'm four or five years out of high school, I've kind of been struggling with that, but I just need to focus on what I can do. So that's like just going for a walk or just going for a slight jog instead of thinking back of when I could run miles and miles. So just thinking about what I can do in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I know I've had seasons like where I was not on best terms with my body Mm -hmm. and my people in my life would remind me like it's literally keeping you alive yeah um and even when like I don't feel like doing things Mm -hmm. I don't feel actually great at all yeah um it like keeps pumping blood it keeps making cells 
it's honestly doing like so many things on a biological level every second to keep us alive that's crazy that we just don't think about because we Mm -hmm. don't see it happening yeah another one would be building new habits after a traumatic event instead of going back to the old ones that you used to do Mm -hmm. and then this will kind of make a new habit feel a different way so like maybe you used to jog but instead it feels better to kickbox or cycle and then maybe you used to shower at night so then by doing it in the morning it helps you start your day and you feel refreshed in the mornings yeah I think changing up your routine and your habits is a great idea um because a lot of people when they do go through like a traumatic event like sexual assault Mm -hmm. what they want to do is like I just want to go back to how it was before before this happened I don't want to deal with this um and if you try to go back to how it was before it happened like obviously that's not realistic Mm -hmm. um we can't rewind time and change things that have already happened unfortunately um but if we just try to live in the past Mm -hmm. I think that that really stunts us in healing and it can also like just keep us in those bad um coping mechanisms yeah that we've talked about the destructive ones um so definitely like things that you used to enjoy just may not bring you the same enjoyment and that's okay to try new things Mm -hmm. I feel like focusing on what you're doing well or what life is doing well around you even if you have to dig for it but I know for me thinking just like oh the sun's gonna rise again tomorrow and the sun's gonna set and it's gonna be a fresh new start the next day is really big yeah honestly there's like I've been in really poor places like with my mental health Mm -hmm. and then like I just if I like sleep for a while just sleep it off in the morning obviously everything is not magically fixed Mm -hmm. but I feel better yeah like I feel a little bit better Mm -hmm. if I have like a good comfort meal that makes me feel a little bit better yes if I can like spend half hour talking to one of my best friends Mm -hmm. that makes me feel a little bit better um and I know that to have just experienced sexual violence or to be living in that pain is a really dark place and it can be really Mm -hmm. hopeless at times um but I just want to encourage people who feel like they can't um find that thing that's going well for them that we're always here for you and we have our 24-hour hotline if you need to talk um so is there anything else Kaya about positives um and little things that people can do toward healing Mm, I just feel like finding those little things will help build to the bigger picture Mm -hmm. in the overall healing process yeah and I also, I really liked the um, the little exercise that you mentioned. So do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so I read this thing and it was, or if you write down everything that your inner voice is telling you, imagine that a loved one is telling you those things and then how would you feel or how would you react if a loved one is saying those things about themselves? Right, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, when I saw... Um, that you had written that exercise on, I was like, oof, Mm -hmm. because I think about like some of the ways that I've talked about myself in the past. And then I think about like, if my mom or my sister or my Mm -hmm. boyfriend would have said those things, I would be like, you do not talk about yourself that way. Yes. Um, I would have been really upset and like, that's not true at all. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's interesting how sometimes we're our own worst critics. Yes. Um, And it's, doesn't help when we have a mental health condition that's Mm -hmm. working against us um, as a result of trauma. 
I think this has been a really great conversation, Kaya. Yeah, I've loved it. Um, is there anything else that you want to mention? I don't think so. Just knowing that there is always someone out there to help you and that wants to help you. But these like little healing techniques or processes will help yourself and kind of just help to the bigger healing process. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Yes, thank you.